because I started realizing, I was like, man, I can do this by myself, but it's going to take a long time. And in my eyes, it's like, I've got nine months uh, to turn my life around, be someone I'm actually proud to see in the mirror. Because I actually, uh, through my entire 20s, I don't have a memory of ever actually looking in a mirror because there was so much baggage and stuff. And I was so disgusted with who I was. And when I was a kid, every time I would see a mirror, I would just sit there and like, yell at the person looking back like i hate you you're such an idiot you know why you know why do you let people do this to you you know all this stuff and so it got to the point where i would just avoid a mirror and oh my kids growing up like this luckily i had just enough common sense to realize uh, if i don't fix it i'm gonna pass it on to them somehow and uh yeah and then i said before i knew it i'd gone so deep down the rabbit hole all of a sudden friends started coming to me said, man how did you turn your life around like can you help me and then they start referring friends to me, and coaching just sort of found me. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Today, I'm talking with Kip Brooks. Kip Brooks. Jesus. Uh, um, Kip is a uh, he's a life coach, um, or or I don't know if it's a life coach, or you're a coach of some sort. Um, and also, you were you responded to one of my posts about uh, uh, bottoms and life struggles, right? Why don't, yeah. you, why, why don't you go ahead and explain how you got here <laughs> since I'm tongue tied. <laughs> hey, it's Friday, man. We're almost there. <laughs> of course that doesn't matter anymore. Days don't exist, right? It's uh every day's a Friday uh, now. Yeah. It's like there's tomorrow, today and yesterday and <laughs> dates and things don't exist. anymore. Um, yeah. I, uh, so I was suicide having like suicidal thoughts or the equivalent of when I was eight years old and then uh stayed with me through uh teenage years and even uh well in the well going into my twenties or early twenties and um uh that led you know various heavy alcohol use through my teenage years and then uh you know I had bottles stashed of alcohol all through the house in my yard. Um, and when I was 14, 15 years old, would take, uh, several hits of that every night to go to sleep. And then, um, and then, uh, yeah, prescription drugs and things through mid to late teens. And then that led into, uh, dealing drugs. And then, um, uh, especially, um, Coke and then ingesting it quite a, quite, probably more than I doubt it. Then, um, yeah, I was just in the wrong crowd. Just I never saw any other option for me to ever make it other than, you know, figuring out some way to get around the law. And then um, 
finally uh, got into my 20s and I realized, man, this just isn't isn't really working. It's like, maybe I should try something else. And uh, um, finally, that started making some headways, started having some success in life uh, uh, legally. And then found out I was going to be a parent. And it threw some, uh, threw some rocket fuel on that of, um, you know, by that point, I was actually doing pretty well in society's eyes. And, but I knew I was like, there's a whole lot of skeletons in my closet that I've never truly faced. And it's like, I need to figure out how to face them, slay those dragons and, uh, not dress my kid in the same baggage I've been carrying around. And, and, uh, so that led me into personal development and coaches and mentors and, um, everything else. Cause I started realizing, I was like, man, I can do this by myself, but it's going to take a long time. And in my eyes, it's like, I've got nine months uh, to turn my life around. And, uh, be someone I'm actually proud to see in the mirror. And, uh, uh, cause I actually, uh, through my entire twenties, I don't have a memory of ever actually looking in a mirror because it was, uh, so much baggage and stuff. And I was so disgusted with who I was. And, uh, when I was a kid, every time I would see a mirror, I would just sit there and like yell at the person looking back, like, I hate you. You're such an idiot. You know, why, you know, why do you let people do this to you? You know, all this stuff. And so it got to the point where I would just avoid a mirror. And, uh, it's like, man, I don't want, I don't want my kids growing up like this. And, uh, luckily I had just enough common sense to realize, uh, if I don't fix it, I'm going to pass it on to them somehow. And, uh, yeah. And then I said, before I knew it, um, I'd gone so deep down the rabbit hole. All of a sudden friends started coming to me and said, man, how'd you turn your life around? Like, can you help me? And then they started referring friends to me and coaching just sort of found me. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, haven't looked back since. That's kind of, that's, that's crazy how that worked. You know, <laughs> you didn't, you know what I mean? Just, just, uh, your friend network and it just built you, built you something from there. Um, let me ask you something about, uh, being that young and being suicidal. How does that, like, what, what was going on, uh, at that age where, I mean, cause at eight, I mean, you're just, you're, you basically, you know, the most, you're, you're just coming out of the most important years of your life where you're, you're figuring out how you interact with the world and the world interacts with you, your parents, um, you start building your personality, who you're going to become, uh, you know, into adolescence. Um, what, how, 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 what's going on in that, in that time, uh, that that puts those thoughts in your head i mean because we when you're that young you you get things put in your head you don't necessarily come up with those thoughts on your own i wouldn't think and uh, it's uh glad you pointed that out you actually make a really good point uh something that a lot of people don't realize is you know um, so we have a conscious mind and an unconscious mind and unconscious mind runs over 95 percent of everything we do it's all our behavior all of our beliefs our values all that and uh, our conscious mind, though, also comes with what's called a critical faculty, and that chooses uh, what we believe is truth and what we think is, you know, make-believe. Problem is, um, we don't have really either one of those um, until we're about seven or eight years old. So before that, everything that we hear comes in as truth, whether it's sarcasm or whatever. And this is where a lot of adults have conf- uh, conflicting beliefs, you know, where it's like, part of me wants to do this, but part of me is this, you know, and they can't figure it out. And it's, well, um, it's because 
everything you heard as a kid, like I said, whether it was a joke or whatever, it's like, uh, it all comes out as truth. And so with me first, probably need to, uh, like clarify exactly. Like when I say being suicidal at eight years old, a lot of people have a vision of an eight year old with a gun to his head. Luckily I was too naive and, um, innocent to know that that was a thing, you know, that I could do that. So what it looked like for me was, um, you know, I was taught to say my prayers every night and, uh, so what those prayers were uh, around eight years old, they started, they went from, you know, now I lay me down to sleep to uh, if there's really a higher power up there that loves us like I hear, I won't wake up tomorrow. It's like, because I won't have spent another day in this life. It's like, I need out. And, you know, it's like, I just don't want to wake up. And, uh, and that was it. Um, at 10, I actually had a grandfather who committed suicide. But by then I had something to hold on to a little bit. Um, I had my younger sister was born when I was about seven and a half and she became like my favorite person on the planet. And I believed I needed to be around to protect her from the crap I was going through. Um, but, um, yeah, the environment I grew up in, my, my dad was into all sorts of things. He had a legal business, but he had a whole lot of, uh, um, extracurricular activities out of that. He was, um, he was an alcoholic among other things. Um, and chain smoker, everything. And my mom was the polar opposite and they worked in the business together. And I don't have a single memory of them not screaming at each other. If they were within 20 feet, if they could see each other, they were yelling. Like they would chase each other around the house yelling. And I would go and hide not under my bed. Cause I was like, they can come from all four sides. I would push my bed up against the wall and I would hide on the other side of it between the bed and the wall. Like, curled up in the fetal position just trying to escape the yelling and i never felt safe at home um and my uh my mom was the lecturer of the group and um and my dad would not talk like if he did something wrong he would just come in swinging and sometimes it'd be three days afterwards and he was just literally like blowing the door i have a memory of my brother my sister and i playing and um, he came just blasting in the room one night and just picked me up and just drilled me a couple of times and then left. And I had no idea what in the world had happened. All of a sudden it was a got, you know, punched several times by this full grown man. And um, uh, so it's just things like that. I was always paranoid. I was always terrified. And it got into where I was actually starting to hallucinate a little bit of um, uh, you know, every time I saw a picture or something, anything that had eyes or a mirror. Like I just believed there was somebody watching me on the other side. And, uh, and that actually came from my dad had installed cameras in different places, um, at his work. And he would brag to me that like nobody knew they were being watched because the monitors were at, at our house. And, uh, and, you know, it was old cheese in eighties. Like you couldn't see anything on it, but he was just bragging to me so much that like they don't even know they're being watched. And he planted this seed of like, is he watching me all the time? You know, it was like that type of thing. And up until I was in, well into my thirties, actually, I, I would have that idea. Like it was floating around unconsciously that there's hidden cameras everywhere. I, I, I knew better by then, but it was still like, it was still there. And then, uh, uh, finally got rid of it. But, and so it was just that constant, like on fight or flight mode all the time, you know, just a survival mode, never getting to relax. Um, or never feeling like I could relax, never feeling secure enough. Um, like I actually wanted to go to school because it's like, you know, uh, 
people weren't screaming at each other, you know, <laughs> it was, uh, it's kind of peaceful at least for the first few years. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really, that causes PTSD. Uh, if, mm-hmm. if people don't know, I, I grew up in a, in a, a place like that where there was a lot of yelling and, you know, I didn't see a lot of stuff, but I, I mean, I know I probably heard it. And so have you found, you know, having grown up in that, like for me, it's just, I ended up that way, you know, in my relationships because of the example that I had mm. growing up. Did you experience that yourself? Oh yeah. It, um, I mean, we, um, say everything's getting programmed in, in those first seven or eight years. And then seven to 14 is like the modeling years. And you know, my dad died when I was 15, but up until then, like all I saw were these, um, was a toxic relationship. And, uh, so a lot of my friendships would turn out that way. Like I got in fistfights with friends all the time for nothing, but I didn't know. Um, cause the only example I had of what a man was, was my dad and his drinking buddies. And I would just see them fall out and fist fight. And, you know, the only time my dad ever once, um, the only memories I ever have of him looking at me, like he was actually proud of me or, or anything I would take as love was, um, when he saw me beat up someone in the neighborhood or, uh, uh, or as I got into my teen years and started chasing women. Um, so he created this, it's like, I can actually get love through hurting people. And, um, and so it became this thing of anger equals love. And, uh, uh, so I would show up and these relationships would just fly off the handle, whether it was a friendship or, a, you know, a romantic relationship or whatever. I was very easy to trigger. And, uh, um, and I see even my wife and I first met and we went on a date. Like I'd worked on that and you know, cleared it up quite a bit. I, I thought it was clear, clear. <laughs> and I remember on our like first real date, we'd known each other for a while. And, um, uh, we, uh, went on this trip. It wasn't a first date, but it was a, we'd taken a weekend away and it was our first time away. And I expressed like how much she meant to me. And, she was actually scared because uh, she's like, why are you so dark? What are you talking about? Like, I'm telling you basically like, I'm all about you, baby. <laughs> you know, like that. <laughs> she's like, if I didn't know you before this, she's like, I would be scared to be around you right now. And uh, I was like, what? And I had no idea what she was talking about. And I had to do a lot of reflection on it. And uh, I realized, I was like, wow, there's still something there. There's, uh, of how I express love differently than people. There's, um, uh, when I was trying to make a point or, you know, have an important conversation, so, okay, you got to be aware of that and start working on it. Um, but, uh, yeah. And it actually went the opposite way for me for a while. Um, in a, in a relationship where I actually started, I was just, I was very disconnected from it and just very indifferent because it's like, I don't want to fight anymore. You know, um, and I was like, I don't want, when kids came around, I was like, I don't want them growing up in that, that I did. But then I became completely dissociated from the relationship and totally indifferent and never fought and actually became kind of passive in some areas. And then, um, uh, yeah, set a completely horrible example that way for a little while, but it was, and I would just bottle it all up inside and then take it out some other way. And it usually led to getting back to drinking or something else. And then finally, Luckily, I, I caught on all that and, you know, um, was able to fix it relatively soon. But, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing 
how those uh, how those habits pick up. I say, even if you rebel against them, it's like it, it's in there. It's like we got to face it. You got to face that demon at some point. Otherwise, it's it's going to take over. You know, we got me in jail and all sorts of stuff when I was younger. So, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how that works, huh? Uh, you would think that it would be more common sense. Uh, and it's it's funny. I mean, it, well, it's not funny, but it how. Like for me to, to finally kind of understand that was I had to see it, like I had to see it in my kids. You know, it, it's like I had to see what, what my behavior was doing. And so and here's a good example. So my, my dog is about four years old and my daughter is three. And, but for the first year I had my dog, me and my ex fought a lot. Right. And a lot of it was me yelling and because that's how I, you know what I mean? Just, I would get just triggered and just angry. And, uh, that's how I knew how to, how to deal with it. You know, is just start, you get, you, I get imposing and just, you know, like, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it, but my dog. So like every time. Uh, every time I would raise my voice, my raise, my voice would go up an octave, uh, higher or, you know, he, he knew when that, when, oh, what that sound was when, you know, I, I would get pissed and he would bolt and run and go hide. And so like, even to this day now, he still like if, if my voice and, and even it's like, I don't even do that really anymore, but sometimes he'll just hear just in regular conversation that I'm having with somebody and it'll go up and he'll just be, is it time to run away now? You know? And I was lucky enough to, to, uh, be able to stop that. Um, once my daughter became like two, around two years old, she, she started understanding what was going on. And realize and like hiding, you know, at two years old, hiding in the furthest point mm. of the house, trying to get away from the yelling, right? And you know, and then told us to stop once, uh, you know, at two, could, barely could speak hardly at all, you know, had new, new, new few words, but knew enough to say stop in in her car seat behind us. And so it was like at that point, wow. yeah, when I was like, okay, this is God, I got, I got, I got to get out of here. You know, uh, obviously the, the, the problem is me because I can't seem to, uh, get along with this other person. Um, and my immediate way to deal with it is to get angry and, and, you know, blow up. And so I removed myself from it. Um, and I think that's probably the best thing I could have ever done. You know, yeah, it sucks that the relationship ended, but I mean, it's like, you know, I, it, my, how my daughter is going to grow up and, and, and see, uh, uh, role models of what, what men and relationships and, and you know, things should be, you know, I, I at least owe it to her to, to provide her with the best possible, uh, scenarios, right. To learn from, yeah. you know, you know, and, and it's, and it's basically cause it's like you, you really have to, I mean, if you want to, if you, if you want to, have good people in the world you have to raise good people yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know and that and that means like okay well all of your all of your screwed up behaviors and things that you were taught as a, a you know that you grew up with because all right we 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 know now okay before you could probably your parent our parents could claim ignorance because there was a lot of things that you didn't know okay i'll i'll, I'll somewhat buy that 
All right. I'll sum up by that because you don't know what you know until you know something different, right? Yeah. We just keep repeating, 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 and it goes on down the line. And until somebody like me steps up and goes, no, we can't do this anymore. You know, I, I want to, I want to raise a, a person who, you know, won't stick around when an asshole like me starts yelling and, and screaming about something. And, you know, I don't want her to go, oh, well, you know, that's just, you know, I guess this is how relationships are. You know, that's how my dad was. So I'm just going to stick around, you know, instead of like Bolton going, screw you. I, 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 I'm going to go find someone who wants to cuddle me and, and hug me and, and not yell at me. Yes, yeah, so, I am. Um... It's it's funny how uh, you know funny again. I use the same way you did, um, but uh, uh, like so many people are one end of the spectrum or the other. It's like like say I was at first um, no fighting whatsoever in front of the kids, make them think everything's perfect, and you know pretend like it is, and then uh, uh, and then the other end is like exploding in front of them constantly. It's like it's fun to have. You know, for them to see the human side of us, but it's like we've got to be willing to um, go through it with them and let them see. Okay, yeah, we, we're humans. We have emotions. Um, we all are, and it's perfectly fine. Just working through them in a healthy way instead of the uh, toxic behavior patterns where it almost gets a or in many you know situations it does get abusive. And uh, yeah, that was uh, you know the baggage and things we have from childhood is like pops up all the time you know it's just been this like beach ball held under the water that's just been festering for so long and sooner or later it's going to pop up yeah. and unfortunately it never pops up at a convenient time oh, you know and, it, and usually in uh, especially in like north american culture like as soon as it does start popping up it's like oh here just take another drink have another pill or you know veg out for the tv just ignore it don't yeah. deal with it and in a lot of indigenous cultures um especially in hawaiian culture they um they actually celebrate when it first comes up instead of like pushing it back down. And uh, like the tribe will actually have a ceremony because they, um, I say, well, that's your unconscious mind's way of letting you know it's time to heal and let this crap go. And, uh, when I heard that the first time, I was like, wow, really? Cause like where I grew up, <laughs> the way I was raised was to be a real man, man, look how much crap I can stuff in and take and not, you know, not exposed to the world until you yeah, like, have a heart attack or you blow up and, you know, go just fight 10 guys or something like that. And yeah, it was a totally different way for me to look at it. And, uh, so, you know, my, um, my wife and I now, um, and we've had a few arguments in front of the kids, but it's like, okay, we processed through it and we're able to, um, I, I, I'm amazed. I'm freaking amazed with myself still to this day when it happens, it's like, all right, I'm able to take a step back. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. So let's shake it off a minute. Now look, this was said, this triggered me this way. That's how it made me feel. I don't believe that's how you took it. You know, we'll actually rationally talk it out. So it's like they get to see that, uh, you know, uh, proper way to process emotion and understand it instead of what I grew up in, where it was just like all some things start flying across the room and, you know, all of that. Um, and then somebody just blows out of the house and that's how it ended was, you know, we get along when we're not around each other. And, you know, my dad would go out on a uh, party binge with his friends for three or four days and we wouldn't see him, you know, and that's how you resolve conflict <laughs> or, or you'd go out and fist fight somebody to get it out of him, you know? And it was like, yeah, okay. That's not how to do it. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess. Mm, yeah. You're right. Though. It's, it's, uh, it's 
it's one thing sometimes I feel like there's a flaw in the design. It's like anybody can end up being a parent, but it's like to be a true parent and it takes work. Relationships take work of all sorts. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's, when I learn different things, there's times I want to go, you know, my dad long gone, but my mom's still around. There's times I want to go and just kind of grab him. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> but I understand it's like, you know, there's no manual for this and we're all figuring it out the best we can. And she did way better than her parents. And hopefully I'm doing better than mine. And, you know, we move forward. But. Man, hopefully there's more people that, that, you know, by listening to podcasts like this and, and others out there of, of, of people like me and yourself that are, you know, willing to, you know, be honest and transparent about, you know, not being perfect people, you know, yeah. and, and it's not, you know, and it's, it's actually very popular right now, um, for in this space, uh, people are, are just really just craving authenticity because we're, we live yeah. in such a culture of, of not real, you know, yeah. highlight real. We're, we're in highlight real culture. Yeah. You know, which is not, dude, our highlights don't, our, our, our low lights way far, far way out the highlights in, in life in general, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we have this false idea like it's, you know, everybody's uh, everybody's comparing, like you say, it's like looking at everyone else's highlights and then comparing it to our behind the scenes blooper reels of the shit we don't want anybody to see. And it's like, no, look, that person, actually, the more highlights they post, the more screwed up they are and what they're trying to hide. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, we all have good moments. We all have bad. And like you say, unfortunately, like the, the highs only come here and there. So, yes, celebrate them when they're there. But don't turn your back and hide the the lows. It's like be vulnerable with them, be be there with them, you know, be present. They're here for a reason. And without the lows, we wouldn't appreciate the highs anyway, right? Yeah. So, because uh, we take things for granted so easy, you know, just it's in our design, and um, and it's good to want better for ourselves. And you know, we're creatures of growth. But it's like, yeah, don't uh, don't fake it and like just pretend like there's no issues. It's like. Cause then those issues grow into bigger issues. So you got to face them at some point. And, uh, the more you face them head on and the sooner you do it, you know, it's like killing Godzilla when he was a baby lizard. It's like, it doesn't grow out of proportion. And then it makes room actually for, you know, more highs and, and, uh, and even the better, you know, the even kill the middle ground will be even more enjoyable and more consistent. But, yeah. I, uh, I definitely like, uh, I, I, I've, I don't know. It just, it, for me, it just, it, it's uh, like, I'm not hiding anymore, you know? And a lot of the times it, it, it would be like that. It's like, you know, I know this, I know this old monster's lurking back there somewhere, you know what I mean? And it, you know, when is it going to come out and <laughs> come out and, you know, you, you would never know, you know what I mean? What would, what would yeah. trigger it? You know? Yeah. I, I got, I got rid of all the substances and, and, you know, I'm not doing, you know, X, Y, and Z anymore, which, you know, really took me down, but I'm not dealing with, with the problem, you know, and the, 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 the substances were just a byproduct of, of, of the, or symptoms of the actual problem. Well, yeah. Fine. Yeah. God damn it. What's that problem? What's the problem? I don't know what the problem is. What is the problem? I just keep having all these problems. What's the problem? You're the fucking problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, you know, I, listened to, I listened to that podcast you were interviewed on. Um, and I was like, as you were talking, I was like, 
man, is that me or him? Because <laughs> like, so many things you're saying, it's like, wow, dude, we, we so much lived almost the same life in a lot of ways. And, um, yeah, I remember, uh, finally, uh, like the last time I was arrested, I was sitting in a jail cell and I was like, I was actually laughing and like the cops got really mad at me because they thought I was being just an absolute ass to them. But I was like, I kind of had this moment and part of what, I mean, you know, you've been there, like you can't let them know they got you. Right. So um, got to play it cool and all this, but there was a moment where I actually started laughing a little bit because it was just like, and it was to myself. It was like, you dumbass, like you've got nobody to blame here at all. It's like, finally all excuses were gone. It's like, uh, and you know, one of my mentors told me, um, uh, way after that, but he's like, you know, um, everywhere you go, there you are. And, uh, it, you know, what he's trying to tell me is like, you can't play the victim because, uh, in every, every situation in your life, you are the common factor. And it's like, somehow you manifested it, you called it in. And I'd had that realization a little bit, like say last time I got arrested and I was, uh, I don't know, I was like 25 or something like that. And, uh, 24, 25. And, uh, so, yep. And I just kind of started laughing. The cops like, what's so funny? And I was like, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it, but, uh, and I was, you know, it was for, uh, distribution of, uh, or, uh, intent to distribute cocaine and, uh, or, or narcotics officially is how they say it. Yeah. But, uh, I was like, you know, thinking, I'm like, man, I'm facing all sorts of trouble ahead of me, but it, uh, but I'm trying to get mad at Dan. I was trying to get mad at the girl I was with who, um, who was the dummy who kept running out of the hotel room and, you know, causing tension and, you know, all this stuff. But then I was like, can't like i brought all this i did every bit of it it's like i created it and i just started kind of laughing because it was actually quite empowering to have that like come to jesus meeting with yourself of you know like look you know snap out of it and uh because like once you start taking responsibility for the uh for the screw-ups in your life and there are plenty of area times in life that yeah someone takes advantage of someone else and hurts someone and yeah, we're victims, but staying there beyond that point of the moment it happens, you're victimizing your damn self. And once you understand that and like start taking responsibility for how you respond to those situations instead of reacting out of emotion and baggage and you know, ego and everything else, it's like that it hurts, it sucks to point that finger back at yourself. It's not fun, but damn, it's empowering. Because then you start realizing it's like I do have some control. I can actually uh, not allow this to completely take me out. And it's like, you know, it's, I mean, look at every hero movie ever made. It's like, there's a point where um, the hero gets rocked and, you know, gets knocked down and, but he chooses to stand back up and go back out it, or she does. And it's like, instead of staying there, it's like, if they did, if they stayed in that um, low spot and just gave up, it's like, it wouldn't be a movie and we wouldn't watch it. Right. <laughs> and it's like, same thing. It's like, man, be the hero in your life and stand up and go to it. It's like, it's a beautiful part is you're the writer, the director, the producer, the lead actor in your life. But most of us just give ourselves a, a walk on piece, you know, or maybe like yeah. a supporting role. And it's like, hey, you're the lead actor. Take it and yeah, get in there, stand strong and rock it. Yeah. A lot of us won't, wouldn't even cast ourselves in that, in our own movie. <laughs> yeah, just have a stunt double play off, <laughs> you know, or something. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it was a. Uh, so there was there was a time when uh, I think one of the last times that I got arrested for identity theft, um, 
And I, that was really appealing to me because uh, I didn't like myself anyways, so I didn't mm. have to be myself. I could be all these other people and I could make the IDs and the credit cards and everything else to go along with being this person. Yeah, I and, relate to feeling like that. Yeah. And, and so like the point, like I had been doing this for so long and, and like, using so people's you know information for so long that when i got arrested i i couldn't remember my own literally i couldn't remember my own social security number i couldn't remember my own like driver's license number because i i had every time that i was in a in a in a it was almost like to me it was how a how an actor uh prepares for a role right so I would get all of the information that I was uh, the person that I was trying to be from their address, their legit address that I had to, you know, their, their ID number and all of that. And so whenever I would get arrested or if I got, you know, questioned by something, I would, I like, I could, I could, didn't seem like I was, you know, not that person. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, I was just like, I was crazy. I was like, fuck. I was, I'm sitting there. The cops asking me the question. They're like, who, who are you really? All right. Cause you're not, you've got seven different IDs and, 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 and like a dumbass. I've got seven different IDs and credit cards to match them in this wallet along, you know, <laughs> and they're just like, they're like, who are you? You know, which one of these are you? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not any of them. They're like, well, what, all right. Well, what's your social? And I'm like, dude, I can't fucking remember. <laughs> I don't know. Give me a minute. <laughs> I have to think about it. <laughs> so yeah, and you know that's uh, like you said, that's, and that's just like the drugs. It's like it's a symptom, or it's something used to cover up a symptom, and it's, um, uh, and so many people. Like, I'm sure there are some people that hear this story. It's like, oh my god, and they're like trying to pull away from me, but it's like it's reflecting something in them because everyone's hiding behind a different identity somewhere in their life. Like so few people are really being their true, their true authentic selves, you know? And, um, and that's, you know, it's, uh, and it's people put more plans in a Friday night than they do their life, you know? And, uh, uh, and usually it's all around you know, going out drinking and forgetting who the hell they are. Mm. And, um, and it's kind of funny comical from the outside but it's also it's really sad like um but we've all been told since we're kids like to be someone else basically or every time we've made self-expression if it went outside if it was coloring outside the lines of life everybody like stuff us back in right and we had all these rules and things in the school system and like all this stuff that was to keep us boxed in and um you know now if a kid expresses themselves too much or has too much energy now it's like oh we're just gonna call them add and it's like not mm-hmm. every kid on the planet is ADD. I'm sorry. Like, yes, it, the condition exists, but it's like a lot of these kids are just like us. I, I don't know many adults who like sitting there nonstop, you know, and, um, they're uh, bored. They're, they're, um, yeah. They're, they're, yeah, they're bored. They're not, you're, you're not, you're not teaching. So that, that's the problem with school. All right. You know, you've got some, you got some kids and I was one of those kids where like, I literally got wrapped in corrugated paper in my desk in the middle of the classroom, you know what I mean? Cause I was always, mm. you know, I'm, I'm always like talking to people, you know, just funny and, yeah. and cracking jokes and, you know, like the class clown and, and for them, you know, they, and that was in the fourth grade, the third grade, I got stuck in a closet, you know, they shoved my, my desk facing into the closet in the back of the room and while everybody else was in the front doing, doing their thing, you know? So, I mean, I got teachers like if that happened today, Oh, 
I'd, 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 oh, get, I'd, get, I'd get some money, boy. <laughs> oh, you'd be loaded, and the school would be shut down. There'd be people in prison, you know, yeah. all sorts of stuff. There's no telling what would happen. But, and, and, and that's the thing, too. Like, we're on the opposite side of the spectrum now, and it's like, uh, and, you know, like, it, just like I was saying, I, I showed up in previous relationships of, like, exploding at some points and then not doing anything at others. It's like, man, the, the truth and the solution is in the middle somewhere. It's like, you know, because the, the pendulum of life is going to swing, and it's like we've got to be flexible with that. But, yeah, it's, uh, 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 yeah, punishment when we were in school was ridiculous. And then, I, like, I remember um, I asked to go to the bathroom. I was in, uh, this happened in third and fourth grade. Um, and dude, kindergarten too. Wet my pants three different times in school, and you know that's not the that doesn't make you many friends. Yeah, and it does get you a lot of attention. <laughs> but um, it was because um, one teacher I was just terrified to ask at the bathroom because she had like hit me with you know wooden paddles and all sorts of stuff, and not just across the behind. Um, but uh, two others I had to ask, and they refused to let me go. They're like, "You sit there, you sit there," and then I would start to go. And like, just walk out of the room. Cause I'm like, I'm gonna wet myself. And mm-hmm. they would stand in front of me and not allow me to go. And then I would wet myself in front of them and then get ridiculed for that, you know, and a big deal would be made. And, and that made me just, that made things even worse. That's when school was no longer a safe zone. And, um, uh, and that brought up other issues because it's like it had happened to me once on a road trip with my dad when I was like five years old. And, uh, and he stripped me down naked on the side of a busy intersection. I pulled into a busy intersection right off the exit ramp of a freeway and held me up above the car and like walked around screaming, trying to get other drivers attention to embarrass me. So for that to happen in school was traumatizing <laughs> because it brought up all that stuff. And, uh, I said, man, we do all this stuff. Like, and you don't think of the long-term consequences and, you know, something I hear, um, an idea I had when I became a parent was I would hear all my friends talk about raising kids or everybody just saying raising kids. And one day it just kind of hit me. I was like, wait a minute, we're all screwed up. And it's because of the way we were raised when we were kids. It's like, we're not raising kids. We're raising future adults. And it completely changed how I interacted with mine. And, um, and also too, I was, I was always kind of rebellious. I always, not that I was rebellious. I was punished for being rebellious, but I just, I always wanted to understand why I was doing something. And if they had a reason, like I'd totally do it. I was, you know, especially as a kid, like, you know, a kid always wants to people please at some level. And, uh, but I just, I like knowing why I like understanding why things work and why we do the things we do. And, you know, and especially now, like I'm, I'm, I geek out on human behavior and psychology and everything. But, um, uh, but I was always told like, you know, most of us were, especially from our generation was, uh, you know, because I said so. And <laughs> my dad was like, you don't question me at all. So I, I, for a long time, uh, that was the hardest part about being a coach was learning how to question because it was programmed for me not to. I'm not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, luckily I worked through that years ago. But, um, but with my kids, uh, I've told them since day one, I was like, you always have the right to ask me why. And if I ever say because I said so, you don't have to do it. Because if I can't come up with a better reason than that, then it's really not that important. And there have been plenty of times I've regretted that. <laughs> and uh, but I did have a caveat in that. I'm like, look, you need to trust me enough to understand that sometimes in life, I'm not going to have the time to give you an uh, give you a reason right then, and I'm just going to need to ask you to go along with it, and we'll talk about it later. And uh, and we always kind of did that, but it gave them just this um, a confidence and uh, and then self image that they had value and they matter. Um, and 
they're, uh, I mean, you know, I screwed them up plenty of other ways, <laughs> but in that way, like, you know, they, uh, um, they've always been, we've had a good communication line and they come to me and stuff. And, um, I, uh, yeah, and I, and I don't keep them imprisoned either. Like they roam the neighborhood by themselves. I mean, we don't live in the neighborhood I grew up in, <laughs> but uh, we're doing better than that at least. But, um, yeah, it's amazing to see the difference between them and their friends. Um, with, uh, with how they look at the world and also how they look at themselves and how the, they interact with me versus their friends interacting with their parents, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, so it's like, all right, I did at least one thing right with them. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, there were definitely times where I wish I wouldn't have said that because it's like, well, why? Oh, I don't need to do it. Oh, dang. I actually have to come up with a reason now. I didn't think that's That's funny. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I guess you can go the moral of the story here is, you know, you gotta, you gotta raise your, raise your little humans to be good humans. And, uh, you know, you can't really, you know, especially in the, the culture that we're in right now where, you know, I, I catch myself, I'll be on my phone, you know, cause when I'm, so my, my situation is, is that two days a week, I do this, uh, schedule interviews and then, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm, I'm with my daughter helping my, my, uh, ex co-parent cause she works from home. So I have to keep my daughter occupied or else she's three years old. So else she'd be all over her mommy, 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 mommy. Mm-hmm. and she couldn't get anything done. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm not working. And you know, if I can save some money on child support or, or daycare, yeah, sure. I'll come do it. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, know, that's a fortune. You know, you <laughs> know, both of those things. Yeah, put, <laughs> put the money factor in there. Ooh, I'm motivated. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> but you know, it's uh, it's just it's a, it's it's really cool. Um, you know, being able to to do that and to watch them uh, watch them grow up. And I'm trying to recover here because I, I lost my train of thought. So I'm like, I was going somewhere, and I'm, it, it, you, you see, you're just trying to like hopped off the track and like. <laughs> Shit! Nope, it's not coming. I'm, I'm not gonna be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really uh, being in the parenting role. Like, it's really quite a quite. A, it's uh, is a beautiful journey. It's not for everybody, um, but uh, that's for sure. But to really think about it, like, man, I get to actually shape a human. I mean, it's kind of terrifying in some aspects because it's like man their future is really right here on how i show up but um but something i i was told uh uh actually i delivered it to a uh, to a client the other day but uh i was told years ago it's like um whatever you see in your kid is a reflection of you in some form and they're like with them whatever you want them to be you just have to be it and uh because so if you want to fix something in your kid fixing yourself first uh and at first, like, now, nah, whatever. <laughs> but then it's like, yeah, you got to point that finger back, you know, again. And, um, uh, and but yeah, it's now, you know, my, my oldest, uh, he's getting close to 13 and seeing where he's at versus where I was. Cause when my kids turned around, uh, when each one of them had their eighth birthday, all three of them, um, I, there was a little bit of when my oldest turned eight, I had actually like some true anxiety around it. And then, but with each of them, there was a little bit there of, uh, it's just when it happened with my oldest, I wasn't aware of what it was at first. And I had to do some reflection and I figured it out pretty quick. But I was like, oh yeah, when I was eight years old, I know where I was at. And uh, so I started checking in. It's like, damn, have I done my part for those first seven, eight years to make sure that didn't happen? And uh, and luckily that was 
you know, I felt pretty good with where they were at. Um, my youngest actually just turned eight, um, right at the beginning of the quarantine. So we weren't able to have a party for him, but that was, uh, it was actually kind of neat how that worked out because instead of having the distraction of all his friends over and a party and all of that, it was just all of us hanging out. And I was able to really kind of sit with that and, uh, and just kind of check in with him and watch and just take in some gratitude for knowing, okay, at least they are totally different than I was as a kid, especially my youngest. He's not afraid to voice his opinion to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, very, uh, very outspoken, very um, headstrong, I'll say, politely. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, it was a huge relief for me to see all of them go, you know, that point in their life going into eight, nine, 10 and on up and seeing how much better they're doing than I was. Okay. Not doing it perfect. I know I've messed them up somewhere and I've made a lot of screw ups, but it's like, at least, uh, they're not, they're not the reflection of what I was. Yeah. Uh, and they seem to be a reflection of themselves. So that's the, uh, that's the goal. Yeah. It's good that you get a chance to, uh, to witness that, you know what I mean? You actually see, see the, the fruit of the, of, of your labors there, I guess, so to say, you yeah. know, and, and, you know, you get these, uh, these milestones where you can actually, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, yeah. it's fun, man. I don't know. And you're right, man. It's not being a parent is not for everybody. Um, you know, I've learned how to like, if I would have had a boy, I probably wouldn't be, uh, I'd probably be a lot harder. You know what I mean? And my patience level would, would, because you can, you can be a little bit more, um, uh, rough with a, with a boy than you can with a girl. Uh, you know what I mean? Whether it's, yeah. you know, stern or just, or, or in, just in the tact that you use to, to deal with, with either one of them. You know what I mean? The tact that I have to use with my daughter is like, all right, we'll have to soften things up because she's a girl. She understands some stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, it's really easy to hurt her feelings. Um, you know, she doesn't understand. And probably the same for a boy. I don't know. I, I just, uh, I'm glad I had a girl because it's, it's, it's allowed me to soften up, uh, enough to, to be able to deal with her, not, uh, not deal with her, but, uh, yeah, be with her, yeah, yeah be, yeah, be, be with yeah. her, you know, and just be mindful of the fact that, you know, Hey, soften, soften your shit up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. It's, you know, um, just naturally and genetically like, um, uh, boys are actually like more, uh, more driven by shame and then girls are more driven by fear. And, and that go, carries it, that follows us through life. Like, um, in a uh, seminar room, uh, I'll ask, um, you know, how many women in the last week have had a moment where they were actually afraid for their safety. And, um, you know, like 90% of the room will raise their hand for, uh, for like in the past week, you ask the men in the room, same question. And, but say instead of in the last week, like in the last month, and maybe like 10 to 15% will raise their hand. And it just shows us this nice visual of like, this is part of the reason why we're like, we're men and women are totally different. It's because women think about, you know, going out in a vacant parking lot, like they're thinking, am I going to get attacked? Am I going to get raped? You know, stuff like that is floating around unconsciously. And then um, with men, the shame comes in from, uh, you know, uh, in the tribal days, uh, it was, if you're not a good enough warrior, you can't protect the tribe and the tribe could get wiped out. If you're not a good enough hunter, they're going to starve. You know, it's all this. So constantly from the time we were boys, um, we were raised and trained to be that warrior, that hunter, whatever the tribe needed. 
And uh, so it was constantly like, am I doing good enough at it? Am I, am I? And then being passed down through all that time. And now obviously we don't have those same things to protect, but we're questioning, asking the same questions in almost every context. And, um, and obviously if you ask in the context of what a, where a warrior would, there's a, there's a higher confidence that comes with just taking that position on. But when you're asking it, just making dinner or, you know, just in how you show up at a job, it's a little different. It beats us up a little different now, but, um, but yeah, it shows up even as kids and, um, and like I say, don't have to, uh, with women, it's, or girls, it's, uh, you can take the softer approach because, um, and there's that polarity of like you're doing of getting a little softer and going with the uh, fluidity, but they show, uh, so many reports show it's like boys actually flourish better when they have kind of that rougher environment and rough house environment. And then, you know, and then the play and the wrestle and everything. Cause obviously like when, uh, when you play with a girl, even when you like rough house weather, there's a different approach to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a softer side. And then, uh, um, it, and that's how she'll flourish. So, you know, um, so many, uh, dads end up raising their daughters the way they would raise a boy. And then they have, uh, the, there's a rejection of their femininity. And I'm not even, they end up not bringing up anything, uh, not like, uh, uh, sexuality or anything there. It's like actual, the traits that show up. And then she has identity issues and same with boys. Um, you know, it's, um, I had, uh, like I had, a quite a bit of, like an inner conflict of wanting to win my dad's acceptance, but then also rejecting him because of the way he treated us. So there's like this rejection of masculinity. Then I would see my mom and, you know, I was raised by a single mom. And then, um, then my sister was there and I would see how men treated them and see all the heartbreak and stuff. And then I would have to hear about, you know, how, how to be uh, a good boy and a good man. And, you know, how all men are dogs or all men are this. And so it creates these inner <laughs> conflicts where we start rejecting this. Yeah, it's a it's a slippery slope, man. The parent ride, and uh, um, don't realize what we're how we're traumatizing our kids all the time. But yeah, having that having that awareness, like you do, to pick up on it, and and whenever you screw up, you do. And um, you know, uh, another great thing I did with my kids one time is uh, I uh, I blew up a little bit. I was you know on edge, and um, but I caught myself a little bit later, and I calmed down, and then I went back and I apologized. I was like, I wasn't about you. I was dealing with some stuff. I didn't know how to handle it. And, you know, it just got very human, got vulnerable in front of them. But it, it set that example. So when they've done the same, they've been able to come to me and uh, be like, hey, uh, I stuff. You know, I did this or I'm dealing with it. You know, it just, it, it allows that space of um, opening up the communication. Because, I mean, I'm sh- <laughs> just off of knowing what I know of you, it's like I'm sure you're very much like me, like a, almost afraid to ever go and open up to someone and especially parent of like, you know, like my son's going through, uh, you know, he's pre, uh, preteen. So puberty's on the map and like we've had some conversations. He's like, he'll be crying. And he's like, I don't know what's going on. I shouldn't be crying. I'm not sad, but I'm just crying. I'm like, dude, it's all right. It's, it's cool, man. It's, it's hormones, man. You're going to get through it. Don't worry about it. You know, and it's like, just let it flow. Let it process. You know, it's, yeah, it's yeah. for a reason. It's cleansing. And, um, yeah, cause you know, when I, if I cried when I was a kid, shh, my dad would give me something to cry about and then punish me for crying for that. You know? yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah. kind of ironic. He's like, I'm gonna give you something to cry about. And then when you cry, I'm going to punish you for it. 
I'm, Wait a minute. A, I'm a compound interest those damn tears, kid. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you gave me a pair of socks as a gift and I put them on, like, would you punish me for that? It's like, so why are you going to give me something to cry about and then punish me for that? <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. Human experience, man. It's a hell of a ride. Yeah, it is, man. It is uh, for sure. So anyways, uh, we're going to have to wrap this up here. What? Uh, go ahead and plug all your places, your spaces, and everywhere anybody can find you and you want to appear in the show notes. Oh, okay. Um, um, first, we're actually putting together a, a little mini course to help people understand like where baggage comes from and what you can do about it and things like that and keep it from accumulating. Um, the uh, final touches are getting done in the uh, editing. I see. Hopefully through this weekend, I should have it back. Um, and uh, I'll, once that's done, I'll get you the link for it. I uh, just love to gift it to your uh, audience because especially right now with everything going on, uh, with quarantine and everything else, like it'll really help people do some, uh, do some healing around that. Um, but, uh, yeah, do, uh, men's empowerment coaching. Um, and, uh, my wife does women's empowerment, but, um, yeah, help men come not just healthy fathers and healthy in their relationship, but just, it all starts with us, right? If, uh, if we're not happy and, uh, fully in alignment with who we are and congruent, and then uh, we don't show up the way we're, we're proud of. So um, it was uh, very, uh, very near and dear to my heart to heal myself. And then also to know that I'm raising three uh, contributing males for, uh, for society. Um, then uh, also my wife and I together have a, um, a coaching training academy where we, we actually teach like, um coaching technique like actual like release techniques for traumas and ptsd phobias things like that and it's an actual certification program there's two of them um and we have a couple of groups that are getting ready to graduate go through their exams now and then we'll be um actually launching another part of that where we actually teach how to get clients how to actually make, have a coaching business uh that's been getting asked a lot um and everybody can find me on you know, all the normal platforms, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, LinkedIn. Uh, every one of them is, you know, uh, .com backslash uh, Kit Brooks Coach. So uh, reach out to me there. Any questions, anything at all. You know, uh, if, I, uh, if I don't have an answer for you, I can definitely tell you where to go. So um, or put you in touch with someone who can help. So. Uh, awesome, man. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for the, uh, you know, the gift for the, uh, uh, listeners out there uh we'll definitely get that in the show notes when you get it uh this isn't going to air for a little bit like i've, I've got a huge queue right now so i've, I've got to cool. uh start just you know i'm, I'm just going to simplify my editing process uh so, so i can run through some of these and just you know just let them go and not be so so picky about the ums and all the other dumb dumb words that come you know that come out of my mouth that make me sound silly <laughs> yeah, keep it keep it human keep it real um, like you said people need that authenticity especially now in today's world so yeah yeah uh so yeah at the when you get a chance uh shoot me a email with all of the and everything that you're going to yeah. want it to appear there with the, with that link as well uh and a picture of yourself so i can give it to uh make you a promo uh art thing and a and a clip that you can uh share on your social media platforms Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'll get all that. Um, uh, should have everything in hopefully to you this weekend. As long as everything goes right with editing that, uh, final course video, uh, cause it's like a force four part thing. Um, yeah, I'll get you all that. Cool. Absolutely, cool. Man. 
Well, I appreciate your time and I appreciate you listening to the podcast and uh, reaching out and wanting to talk to me today. Uh, it was a good yeah, conversation. Love, love talking about parenting, especially since I am one. Yeah, uh, yeah enjoy the ride. That, the age years is that was actually always my favorite, uh, you know, when it's speaking broken English and walking around like little drunk monkeys and stuff, like two to four. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun, dude. Uh, I loved it. Everybody talked about terrible twos. I was like, man, I had so much fun during that time. Yeah. Because uh, they were getting into stuff and it gave me a, you know, I got to be a kid again that I was never actually a kid. And so it was, it was really cool. But uh, thank you so much for having me on. I love what you're doing and keep it up. And uh, yeah, your, your, your story uh, touched me in a whole lot of different ways. So, Well, I appreciate that, man. Uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's why we do what we do. You know, hopefully, yeah. hopefully people resonate with it and, uh, you know, learn something or, or, you know, reach out and say, Hey man, I, I, I I've been through that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's so empowering to know that like someone else has been through it. You know, we, we get caught up in thinking that we're the only ones dealing with our crap. It's like, man, nah, everybody's got shit going on. It's like, so being able to share it, like, it's amazing. The, uh, you know, the simplest little story or whatever, just plants to see with somebody and they end up you know, not taking their life that day or something, you know, you never yeah. know the impact it's going to have. It's, it's magical. We all can be a hero in some form. So absolutely it's great to see people like you out here doing it. So thank you so much, man. All right. Thank you, Kip. I appreciate it. And uh, have a great weekend. You too. Bro. All right. Bye. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.